Dear friends, dear confirmands, uh, an encouragement from God through Jeremiah the prophet, a letter to the exiles, it's Jeremiah 29. You can follow along on the sermon notes. The, the text will also be on the screen. Uh, this is God's word for us, Jeremiah 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase, can you hear Genesis here? Increase in number there, do not decrease. I'll speak the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you, bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And who will call on me and come to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, send your word and your Holy Spirit to my mouth and to our ears, that our hearing and our meditating on your word would be pleasing in your sight. Lord God, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think... Young people, I think I speak for all of us when I say to you this morning, um, I'm excited, um, but I'm also concerned. I'm concerned. Uh, I'm not concerned because of you. I want you to understand me when I say that to you. I'm not concerned about you because we've heard or we're going to hear, the rest of you are going to hear, I've heard, Pastor Krieger and I have heard, we know what you believe, we know where you stand, we know what you where your faith is planted. We know how you stand in the faith. We, we know where you stand. But it's like I tell my older kids who learn how to drive, it's not that I'm worried about you behind the wheel. I'm worried about everybody else behind the wheel. And, and I want to say that to you this morning. We're concerned not because of you and where you stand, but because of where they and everybody else stands. Because we live in a world, and you know this, I think you're beginning to find this out if you haven't figured this out already, we live in a world that doesn't believe what we believe, that doesn't hold to the things that we hold near and dear, that doesn't treasure the commands of God, that doesn't live the life that God calls us to live. You live in a world, it's not that you're going to live in a world, you live in a world 
that in almost every way is opposed to the things of God, is hostile to the things of God, and is hostile to the people of God. I'm not worried about you behind the wheel. I'm worried about everybody else who's driving on the road. You're living in a world where, where the things that we believe about creation, that God created the world in six days with his almighty word, that that's spoken against. The things you'll learn in, in high school, maybe in, if not high school, perhaps in college, are opposed to that truth. The morals of our world are opposed to what God says. So I, hear me when I say we're concerned, but not because of you, but because of the world that you live in. The world that we all live in. And, and as your pastor, I'm concerned for you too. Because here we're safe, right? Kind of safe anyway. The devil's always around us and there's always trouble even in the church. But we're safe. Right? We're, we're surrounded by people who believe what we believe. We're, we're surrounded by people who treasure the word of God. But then we leave this world and we go out into a world where there's all kinds of, I'm using the metaphor, there's all kinds of other people driving on the road who want to destroy our faith and who do and will oppose our faith. That's why I say we're concerned. Jeremiah, the prophet, he was concerned too. Because his people, Israel, the people who he cared about, the people that he tried to shepherd, even though they resisted his shepherding, it's the irony of Jeremiah's prophecy, they were away. And when I say away, they weren't just on vacation. They were in Babylon. They are away from God's house. They were away from God's presence. They were away from their city. They were away from the promised land. They were away. Jeremiah was back in Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem, he saw them in, in captivity, in exile, and he was concerned. And so he wrote this letter to them in Jeremiah 29 as a way to encourage them and to give them hope. And so there are two encouragements that I want to give the four of you this morning and two encouragements, really, I want to give to all of you this morning. And I'll try to keep it simple, although i got a lot of burning in my heart this morning. I'm sorry about that, but I'm not too sorry. The first encouragement is this. Don't live like refugees. Live like residents. Don't live like refugees, live like residents. I don't know, I don't think any of you, have any of you been, don't raise your hand, maybe you do. I want to know, I'm curious. Have any of you ever been a refugee? Praise God. <laughs> because what I understand about being a refugee is that it's a terrible thing. Because refugees are, they're not trying to move to a new place to have a better life. They're running away from a, from a place because of the, how bad things are in the place that they call home. So they run away from persecution, from trouble, from evil, from pain, from suffering. They run away and they settle in refugee camps. They live in tents. They don't settle down because the goal of the refugee is always to go back home. The goal of the refugee is always to get back to where they used to be to get back to the stability and the security and the life that they had back home. And what Jeremiah is saying to the people of Israel in this section is, don't try to go back home. Stop living like renters and buy a house. Stop living like tenters and get some bricks and mortar and timber and sheathing and shingles. I'm forgetting all the parts of a building. Build a house. 
Make your life right here in this place. And see how firmly he wants them to solidify their life there? He doesn't just want them to buy houses and then sell them later on and move home. He wants them to build houses. He wants them to get married. He wants them to have kids. There's Genesis 1, right? Increase in number. He wants them to marry off their kids. He, he wants them to build, plant gardens. He wants them to harvest from those gardens. In, in every way, Jeremiah wants the people, and this is what, what I would say to you, Jeremiah wants his people to live their life where they are. To speak it in a cliche, bloom where you're planted. Can I say this? This is burning in my heart. There's a call in this text for us to live in cities. I said it. There is a call in this text for us to live in cities. And at some point, we have to stop leaving and going away from the cities. I know Milwaukee's hard sometimes. Maybe it's a lot. The driving, the traffic, the taxes, the crime, the, the dirtiness. I've heard it all. At some point, we have to say, this is the city where God placed us. This is the city where we live. And we have to make it our city. Build houses, Jeremiah says. Live in those houses. Make your life heal. Set down foundations. Stop being renters here and be owners. Now maybe, that's, maybe Milwaukee's not where you guys are going to live the rest of your life. Maybe it's some other place. The Borman clan is not rooted in Milwaukee. Right, the Borman, my, my family, we're, in, we're on the West Coast, we're on the East Coast, we're in the center, we're in the mountains, we're in Minnesota. We're all over the place. But what I am saying to the four of you and to all of you is wherever God puts you, when God puts you there, in the place where he puts you, in the, in the situations and circumstances in which he places you there, make a life there. Don't try to get out of it. we got to stop running away from the places where God puts us and live in the place where God puts us until God, until God gives us a burning bush and says, go somewhere else. So that's the first encouragement. Stop living like refugees and live like residents. And the second encouragement is this. And maybe, maybe it flows out of this, but stop living like mourners and live like missionaries. That's the second one. Stop living like mourners and start living like missionaries. This is really an extension of the first encouragement, but it comes right out of verse 7. Seek, this is what Jeremiah says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I have this internal belief that wherever Christians live, and make their lives, that place will be better. I, I just believe that with all my heart. Because Christians, we, we are, we should be the best kind of workers, right? Because we believe that we're working not for, the, for people, but for the Lord. We work for the Lord, so no matter where we work, we work hard and diligently, at least we should. I believe that Christians are and should be the best kind of citizens, because we understand that we have a responsibility to our God first and foremost, and then to our neighbors around us to be, to be active in the right kind of way in the world. I, I believe that, that we should be the best kind of neighbors, that nobody should be sad that they have a Christian as a neighbor. 
I mean, maybe we have different positions on different things, but if we're good neighbors and we love our neighbors like we love ourselves, as Jesus teaches us, right? If we love them, they're better off for it. I have this internal belief, and maybe you do too, that where Christians live, everything's better. But Jeremiah is saying, when he says, seek the peace and prosperity of his city, he is saying more than that. He isn't just saying to you, young people today, and all of you this morning, he's not just saying, make life better for the people around you, because if it's better for them, it's better for you. As if there was some sort of um, internal motivation, like I'll get something out of this if I'm a better neighbor. Maybe more literally, this will help. Seek the shalom of the city. Shalom is this and I'll try not to spend too much time on this. It's a wholeness, and it's a completeness that people only will have when they are restored to God and reconciled with Him. It's a wholeness and completeness that people will only have when they are restored to God and reconciled to Him. Which means that Jeremiah's call here is not just a call to urban living, but urban ministry. Which means that when you live where you live, you have a call from your God to be salt and light, to tell the story of your Savior Jesus. To, to talk about him. To, the things that you say here today before God's church, before your God, those are things you get to tell now to the people around you. Because when you tell that true story, you give people shalom. You give people peace with God. And if I can say, I, I'm going to, this is what I do. Can I say something to the old people? <laughs> people have been around a while. You're all old, by the way. I'm talking to all of you. Nobody's left out. I say mourners not, I say don't be mourners because we have to stop crying about the way things used to be. We have to stop crying about the way church used to be, the way our city used to be, the way our country used to be, the way whatever used to be. We have to stop crying about that and be missionaries. Paul says this to us, and I say this to you today, we are therefore God's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So I'm call, Jeremiah is calling all of us to be missionaries, to be ambassadors for God, to be salt and light in this world. So that's the encouragement. Here's the identity. We have one identity. We are not victims. You are not victims, but you are visionaries. There is a vision. There is a picture that Jeremiah paints and that the Scriptures paint for us again and again. And it's important for us to see this so that we can see our lives and understand where we are in them. Let me just paint some of the pictures for you. Noah and his family were surrounded on every side by people who hated God. They rejected him because he was a preacher of righteousness. 
They found themselves inside a wooden boat with waves beating on the, wa- on the boards of the boat. There they were, aliens and strangers in the world, and what did God do for them? He preserved them from the flood, opened up the door of the ark, led them out, and gave them a promise that would endure forever. The people of Israel found themselves in slavery with slave masters at the head of their row houses, with the, way, with the whips of their slave masters at their back. They were surrounded on every side. They were the people of God, the people of promise. They were surrounded on every side. But God sent Moses, and God led them out between the walls of water on both sides. He led them out into the wilderness to wander there for 40 years and then into the promise where they lived with him. Here in Jeremiah, the people of Israel find themselves captive again. Now away from the promised land once again, away from the place where God promised to be. Captive. Stuck there, God said. Commanded by God to stay there for 70 years. They cried out to the Lord from their captivity. And 70 years later, under Cyrus, you heard about him in Daniel. Under Cyrus, our God, through Ezra and Nehemiah, he led them out. And he led them back. We find ourselves every day of our lives in a world that is opposed to us. You find yourselves in a world that is opposed to who you are and what you believe. You find yourself oppressed. We are oppressed and weighed down by the guilt and shame of our own sins. We are not, listen, I'm calling you to do something, but we're not often what we ought to be. We find our sins oppressing us on every side. But on the cross, what did Jesus do? He let us out between the walls of oppression and sin and guilt on every side, and he's leading us out to the promised land, which is heaven. This is the vision of the life that God gives you where where your sins are forgiven by Christ on the cross, where Jesus is always leading you home and where one day he's going to come back for you in a way that he didn't come for Noah or Moses or, or or Ezra and Nehemiah, in a way that he didn't come before. He's going to come for you in a greater way, a permanent way, an eternal way. So the question for the four of you, for the rest of us, really still remains, should we be concerned? Should we be worried about you? On the one hand, yes. Because I think I speak for all of us, especially for the family, when I say this, we want more than anything else for you to be in heaven with us. Bottom line, I don't care if you go to co- I care if you go to college. Bottom line, I don't care if you go to college. Okay, your parents, your mom can tell you it's something different. I don't really care. I don't care if you end up home. I do. (laughs) Hear me when I say this. But what I want most of all is for you to be in heaven with me. Your parents want to be some of the people hugging you in. That's what we want. So yeah, we're concerned. And we're here to cheer you on. We're here to walk with you. But should we be concerned? Nah, because, because you're God's. Water made it so. Bread and wine 
continue to make it so. You're good because you're God's. And if you're God's, he's with you to eternity. So today, in just a second, you're going to come up here and confess your faith. And I want you to do it with courage and confidence. I want you to do it loudly so everybody else can hear you. And I want you to stand confident in the grace and the grip of your God. Because by his grip, his grace, his promises, you're going to make it. And if you believe this, then join me in saying amen. Amen. Now the God of peace grant all of you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.